Blog Talk Radio. joining us again today. Today, if those of you who received the newsletter know that this is an open day for conversation with you, and that means I'm asking you what you would like to speak about, and I'll give you our phone number here so you can tune in and you can call in, and that's 602-753-1860. 602-753-1860. Now, I know that most people are listening in archive these days of high technology at people's uh, doorstep and in their own living room. That is true, and most people are not listening uh, live, but there always are some. And it is to you that I am uh, giving this number and asking you to engage in any way, shape, or form that you might like to uh, uh, share what's on your mind. And uh, you know the subjects we talk about here on A Better World, i.e. just about everything. And that's the point. Uh, Take a look at our website, www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv, and you'll get a sense of just what we talk about from health and healing and wellness and environment and looking at uh, the uh, development of um, of all sorts of genetically modified foods and what they're doing to our food supply and what we can do about it. We're very solutions-focused. And then on the side of health, we look at uh, psychology and stress management and relationships and who's doing what to whom and what we can do about that. Again, very solutions-oriented. We talk about things like trust and going underneath the armoring that everyone has to get to something more authentic, an aspect to the depth of ourselves, the core of ourselves, and that maybe, just maybe, all of the problems that we face as a, a unified societal whole really stem from some very basic human issues and dilemmas. Maybe uh, it is so that uh, we take our childhood frustrations and perceptions and belief systems, and just because our body grows up doesn't mean our emotions grow up or that we become more emotionally mature. In fact, I think it's safe to say that most people do not. And our world, uh, from my view, is actually evidence of that, ample evidence. No, excessive evidence. The whole idea of having a war or spending 60 cents of every dollar on the military or having prisons ad infinitum across our country especially, dwarfing that of Russia and China, I mean, This kind of thing is crazy, of uh, creating uh, a class structure that is so intense and so disparate that uh, human beings have trouble just paying the rent or paying down on a mortgage, which a mortgage itself is actually a very corrupt instrument. So 
wherever you look, you see human beings in subterfuge. They are dealing with the kind of the lowest part of themselves. And you could say vengeance and jealousy and envy and and an ambition to power that is wholly unbridled and unrecognized for what it actually is, which is usually um, an effort to prove oneself or to get back at others because of an early childhood trauma, usually emotional, sometimes physical, sometimes sexual. But in any event, no matter what the combination of those may be or singularly, there is a sense that they're not people are not being dealt with justly. So what happens is they end up treating others unjustly and they harden their heart and they go into the world, down to Wall Street, into the military, into the food business now, you know, corporate food business that is, go into the agribusiness and literally search and destroy all of their brothers and sisters seek to monopolize markets. There's not a greater sense of win-win. There's more a sense of annihilation. And we will pay any price at all to get our way and to win. And that means money and power and prestige and influence. It's not prestige, of course, in my book, and it's not powerful at all in my book either. Uh, I'm remembering a book by uh, Gary Zukoff, who has been on our show in the past, who was a favorite of Oprah's for many years, uh, who wrote a book about personal power and inner power and what it is and what it is not, and the way to distinguish different types of power. And over the years, uh, in my being a student of uh, the Chinese Tai Chi Chuan spiritual exercise martial art, um, there was always the idea that power is something that resides within us. It is the uh, life force itself, actually. Our ability to move chi through our organs and through our meridians effortlessly and have a kidney meridian and kidney organs that are highly charged, like the battery of the system. And uh, with that in mind, um, I'm speaking to you about distinctions in power because, unfortunately, the people that wield external power, which is the one that we primarily recognize in this world through money, through assets, through political connections, through legal connections, what have you, is considered the power. I suggest that it's really only one of numerous types. But it is certainly a potent power. I'm not going to deny that. It has its place in the overall hierarchy, for sure. But it's the abuse of power that we have an issue with. It's certainly not power itself. Power is just power. Electricity is just electricity. But if you use it for friendly, amicable, benevolent means to help power up a hydropower unit to generate electricity, for instance, um, in a river without having to replace indigenous people and move them out, or displace, I should say, or it's to um, generate uh, things that are going to be good for human beings. Well, that electricity is fabulous. But if you use it to build bombs, that's a whole other matter. That's something unfriendly altogether. And there's nothing, uh, there's nothing enviable about that. In fact, it's rather pitiful and rather sad. And one of the purposes, underlying purposes of this show, is to identify those things that are out of sorts, that are out of balance with the true ebb and flow of the Tao, this idea that comes from the ancient Chinese, really largely from Lao Tzu, the ancient Chinese poet, 
of around the 6th century B.C., uh, who talked about going with the heaven and earth, the way life flows, we humans in the middle. And uh, being in that flow, there isn't place for excess or, for that matter, deficiency. So that's what we're looking at here. That's what we're looking at. And uh, if we had a world like that, nobody's against money. There's no point in that. That's rather foolhardy. What people are upset about is the abuse of money and the power that it buys and that others, such as politicians, are so willing to be bought. And they're also part of a system that seems to require gobs of money to get anywhere in the political arena. Interestingly, there was an example of something to the um, the opposite of that not long ago, to the contrary, which in Virginia, when Eric Cantor lost to uh, a Tea Party professor who had all of $300,000 in his, we call it a war chest. How much sicker can it get? It's not a war chest. It's for campaign financing, which I think should be dealt away, uh, done away with anyway. That's another conversation which I may bring up. But, um, but Cantor, the incumbent, lost to this ill-known professor for his seat in Congress. Fascinating. And so here, it wasn't a matter of money at all. Not at all. So it's not necessarily around money, but it often is. It comes back to what we have in mind. What we hold in mind is what we usually bear the fruits of down the road. So that's why it is so important, my friends, to work with the mind, always with the mind and the heart, and the emotions, and shift the uh, habits of the brain, which are rather entrenched, and move on toward the higher functioning of the brain, which is found, of course, in the prefrontal lobes, the prefrontal cortex. I mean, it's really worth it to just study a little anatomy and physiology to understand more of what actually makes the human being operate the way he does and uh, and when we look at neuroscience these days we see a large window opening to give us some sense of what's it all about Alfie you know what's it all about internally what are the capacities we have what are the biases we have now one of the things that neuroscience has pointed out is that due to the reptilian function of that brain of the brainstem it's its commitment to keep us alive moment to moment and therefore survival is its game and for which we're very thankful uh it also of course has its downside but because of that portion of our larger brain we have a bias toward the negative we have a an inbuilt bias toward skepticism, and uncertainty. Interesting, huh? So that means that when somebody is being tilted in that direction, it's actually a purely biological function. It also means that they have not necessarily developed themselves psychologically to overcome that bias because in these days that bias actually becomes rather cumbersome. It goes from something being positive at a different stage in our development when we were perhaps hunter and gatherers to something negative today because it makes someone seem negative. It makes them seem like a downing Tom. It makes them seem skeptical or that the water or the glass is always half empty at least. So we know that in our current society, those perspectives are rather limited and actually undesirable in many respects. It's not that there are not criminals and crooks. Of course, there are gads of them. But that goes back to part A, 
of this uh, monologue until one or two or three of you call in to chat with me at 602-753-1860. Right. Um, that we have this bias, but until we let it go, we're not actually psychologically maturing. We're remaining strictly delimited by our biological condition. And it is a condition. And it's a beautiful one in many, many respects. It's given us all of what we could refer to as human potential. I mean, this is rather awesome. There's no question about it. But it should also be said that when we begin to develop emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, there is some level of departure uh, from our so-called biological mandate. We're not looped and locked in, lockstep, so to speak, to just the biological imperative. That is becomes a subset of a larger life that we're living for something that has meaning, that might be existential in nature, or eternal, or divine. We have all of those kinds of choices, which, uh, you know, really enrich the pot of what this whole game is about. This is Mitchell J. Raven for A Better World. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, We have a newsletter that goes out every week, usually on Sundays. And you can sign up for this free newsletter at www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv. And, uh, you know, we also, in that newsletter, announce our other shows. We here at A Better World Media have three shows altogether. The first one is actually broadcast through Progressive Radio Network, a radio station online that I've been part of close to its inception and uh, have a show on now called The Progressive uh, Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin. And we've been doing some just delightful shows there. Uh, We started off with one called Water Wars, which was examining um, the use of water, the conflicts around water, and the politics around water. Also the issues of clean water, and what will be the case in just a few years, and is the case now, regarding water in rich nations versus poor, the commodification, I think that's the word, of water and the like. And, uh, well, you can live even without food for a while. You can't live without air. You can't live without water. Uh-uh. doesn't work. So it's really important take a look at that and we did with Water Wars and the uh, um, director Jim Burroughs the producer Suzanne Bauman then we went into a film called Dirt the ecstatic skin of the earth and we had the author of the book on which the film is based Bill Logan from our own Brooklyn the People's Republic of Brooklyn as it's sometimes called and we had um, Bill Benenson on, the director and filmmaker, uh, one of two, I should say. And we had Paul Stamets on, world-famous mycologist, scientist, who has brought, uh, promoted the role of uh, mushrooms uh, in our world and uh, mycelium. And his book is called Mycelium Running. And we'll see that through the use of the mushroom seed, Uh, There is so much that can be accomplished from our own personal health all the way to cleaning up something like the BP water uh, oil spill. So then we moved into uh, the Invisible War about the military, uh, rape in the military, the profoundly serious problem of the chain of command covering up for those who committed and perpetrated these crimes, these Absolutely heinous crimes that have destroyed the lives of so many women. And you can say, well, why would it destroy? Well, 
everyone is different, and there are people whose lives that this kind of um, humiliation and the like have destroyed in many, many ways. And there are others who are, let's just say, uh, able to adapt to the situation and rise above that emotional conflict and move on with their lives. And many of them have done much to help other women, especially women, but not only, who have been raped in the military. And it's embarrassing for one and all. And it's just a simple, heinous crime. So we talked about that with uh, Terry O'Neill, the director, uh, the president of now the National Organization of Women. So uh, these are some of the shows that we've been doing. Uh, Just the other night we did um, uh, The Story of Stuff by Annie Leonard. And we had a young gentleman on who's the vice president of global communications for a really wonderful uh, uh, social enterprise company called TerraCycle. So we talk about the problems and then we talk about their solutions. We don't get locked into one or the other. We need both. You need the diagnosis in order to really fix and provide a remedy. We're in some ways borrowing from the medical model, and sometimes that's okay. Like this, not the administration of drugs, and trying to stay away from surgery, radiation, and chemo. We just go for natural solutions, intelligent solutions. So talking about solutions, let me give the phone number again, 602 753 1860. 602-753-1860. Now, you know, I am a psychotherapist, a counselor, a personal stress management consultant. I've dealt with companies. I've dealt with people. I've dealt with couples. I've dealt with families. You name it. And I've been there to help people understand the relationship of stress to their lives day by day, stress to their body, uh, stress to their mind, and understanding human relationships, coming up with better communication solutions. So we all deal with stress. We all deal with conflict. We all deal with issues with our spouses, with our friends, with our lovers, with our parents, with our children. You know, it just doesn't stop with our bosses. It's just the nature of life. Conflict resolution. Conflict resolution. And if you think about it, music is actually operating on that too. There's such a thing called creating tension in in sound. Tension, and you feel it in your body. It grows. It's there. It's palpable. And there are other chords that can be sounded and intoned that shift the whole thing, that allow the resolution. And we feel it in our heart, feel it in our soul, we feel it in our body. And let me make reference to something else that most people aren't aware of. And that is that we listen also, not just with our ears, but with our skin. Yes, our skin is actually a listening Breathing organ. Hmm. Interesting, eh? These are the kinds of things I we cover here in A Better World. We bring other little data points, little pieces of information to the foreground for people to uh, to gather and have in their uh, data inventory to sound very <laughs> techno style. <laughs> In today's world, uh, dominated dominated by electronics and technology. There's a book I just heard uh, the author interviewed this morning. Um, I unfriended my ex. Oh, my God. I tell you, what a world. I mean, the woman doesn't seem to know much about anything, but she was addicted to her cell phone and checking in what her friends were doing on Facebook and Twitter. 
nonstop, wherever she was, that's what she did. What is this about? This is a stimulation issue. It's sort of like drinking too much coffee constantly. Who cares who dated who? And who cares who jumped into the water first? And who cares who drank the the most number of beers? But unfortunately, way too much of our culture promotes this kind of pettiness. And now she's got a book and she's now on the, the talk show circuit talking about how she unfriended, what a phrase, her ex. What a phrase. I mean, what is this? If you really bear down on just the language itself, you see that we are befuddled. You see that we are a species in flux. You see that real education has been marginalized for the sake of the quick stimulus and the quick Mm-hmm. So let me invite you all to call 602-753-1860. 602, you would think we were in Arizona, 753-1860. But I'm actually right here in New York City in the Big Apple, where much is happening all the time. Indeed, indeed. But let's circle back because... This kind of thing is what's important. You know, yes, biodiversity is the key to survival in nature. But when we conform too much and when we uh, become uniform too much on any level in our lives, any level, we begin to diminish our particular biodiverse nature. Ain't good because nature's adaptation to ever-changing conditions, weather conditions, climate conditions, water conditions, air conditions, oxygen level conditions, storm conditions, uh, food availability conditions, our ability to adapt change color when we need to, like for camouflage, you know, duck, um, run. All of these are very intelligent adaptations in a given context, you know. So we really want to focus on our own personal biodiversity and not be like other people at all. You can agree, but be yourself. And in being yourself, You can have some identity as yourself, but you can also be free and detached from your own ego. Oh, the ego is good. Keep the ego. Don't get rid of the ego, but keep it flexible and keep unidentified with it. That way you can have a long and wonderful life, healthy and maybe prosperous without worrying about... the future, right? Because um, it's when we do monocropping, monoculture, wear the same clothes as every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Sue, Sally, and uh, Rita, that we run into problems. That's not healthy. But our society breeds it, and furthermore, actually our reptilian brain breeds it. Uh, As we say in total biology, um, The brain's business is to keep us alive moment to moment. That's its job. And uh, it therefore does seek to minimize risk and multiply sameness, Uh, something that I'm just beginning to study called higher brain living. We had Dr. Michael Cotton on the show rather recently talking about the activation of the prefrontal cortex. And those of you who listen to the show or get the newsletter or read my articles in the Huffington Post know that this is a central theme of a better world because you ain't going to have a better world unless you develop that cortex, man. 
That's just the way it is. You're going to always be going back to the reptilian function, which, yeah, it's keeping us alive. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, reptilian brain. But it obscures the real evolutionary spiral that we're all really here to fulfill. That requires frontal material, front matter. That means moving forward in your life, as I always say. That means moving from the reptilian brain to the frontal lobes. That's what they're there for, to develop curiosity, to explore human potential, to move us into a whole other level of being, which is our uh, really our inheritance. That's our legacy. That's our, um, our imperative as humans. Because just hanging out in this uh, reptilian-style lifestyle is just not going to ever satisfy what it is we really want satisfied. Just not going to do it. Food, air, water, sex, protection. Is that really the life you want to have? Oh, I want all of those items to be part of my life, but not to dominate it. We want to have a different dominating function. We want to have a prevailing perspective that comes from the highest that nature has endowed us with. And uh, that is, in fact, the prefrontal cortex, the neocortex. And that's where we have found that people who have been engaged, uh, like the shaman, like the meditator, Buddhist, Taoist, Sufi, you name it. This is where even prayer that is done routinely, like in Jewish and Christian contexts, by monks and others. It's where contemplation shows up on the brain mapping scheme uh, through uh, EEGs, through... uh, MRIs, CAT scans, PET scans, there's uh, brain mapping and brain imaging and mirroring technologies, the GDV from Russia. There are a number of really interesting technologies that can actually really um, show in real time the activity of the brain and what's lighting up and what's not and what we can personally do to light up parts of our brain that are going to actually make us way smarter (laughs) come on let's get real that's cool who doesn't want to be smarter there is i would say a little bit of a downside to being too smart um and i don't mean purely intellectually but even emotionally and spiritually you can even though you know it's not true feel alone and you're watching the rest of humanity kind of uh lag behind and limp along and that happens on so many levels when we look around at our world I mean just those people for instance who would opt to fight and go to war instead of sit down at the negotiating table and talk negotiate, share listen, consider contemplate as two sides of a negotiation and see how you can find that sweet spot, that middle ground, which can be done through rational process. Rational process. The word rational has the word embedded in it, ratio, and it has to do with the proportion of what part of the brain is active and what is dormant. So you want to have a ratio. I mentioned predominance of the frontal lobes that allows rational thinking. It's very different than being reasonable, quite honestly, (laughs) although it is related. But uh, when you get rational, you bring your heart and your emotions into alignment with the higher functions of the brain, and that allows for the proper ratio between the elements of a human being. Interesting, huh? When you look at it that way, you see that word and action have a relationship that uh, most people actually don't quite know or acknowledge. So 
With that said, I'd like to just let you all know you're listening to Mitchell J. Rabin on A Better World. We're here every week at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I interview the sung and the unsung heroes, and sometimes I seek to interview you. Like tonight. Tonight is one of those where I uh, put the guests on the side and I instead want to speak directly with you and I want to be contacted directly by you. So truly, this is an opportunity if you're sitting there saying, oh God, I don't really want to do that. I'm shy. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to really share myself. I understand. I understand. However, the difference between a monologue and a dialogue is 50%. (laughs) And uh, I really do want to engage the people who listen. And I want to know what's on your mind. I want to know what's important to you. And I want to hear your thoughts and feelings about any number of things not just my own. I'm accustomed to my own. <laughs> and I think a lot of you are becoming accustomed as well. And yeah, it's interesting. I actually am very committed to guess what I could call original thinking, uh which is a uh a function of gathering together a fair amount of material and then taking uh some altitude on that, some objectivity. I look at it from above if you will, looking down on the planet and the content of a subject and in that way uh, analyze it and looking at its component parts, its moving parts, and uh, playing with it a little bit, massaging it a little bit, like the idea of rational and ratio and how that fits into the larger context of this thing we call thinking, of what we call reason. And uh, what we call all together mentation or cerebration, you know, it's all good and it's all very cool. But we want to know: Are we thinking with? What part are we thinking with? And what is the quality of that thought, not just the quantity? So, these are the things that uh, that we're dealing with here. These are the things, and I really do uh, love hearing from you. And I really do invite you to uh, chime in here. Uh, we still have another 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, you know, we're dealing with a world that has um, tremendous forces of beauty, of culture, of art, of music. We have incredible, smart, talented people who are engaged in all of these awesome art forms theater, dance, gymnastics, sports, and uh, there's something that can be said for honing the mind and honing the spirit and honing the body in these kinds of ways that can deliver us the riches of culture. And we've had riches of culture with us for, oh my, many, many thousands of years. In fact, I wager that we've had the richness of culture before recorded history. So we can't even actually tabulate how long it is. But um, we do have written records. We do have uh, fossils. We do have items that have uh, come through archaeology to the surface going back at least 10,000 years for humans alone. Um, I remember in one book I read years ago that uh, archaeologists dug up belt buckles in China going back 10,000 years, as well as some other pottery and artifacts. 10,000 years, folks. And we don't really know the story of Atlantis. We don't really know the story of Lemuria. We have stories. We don't really know about the time of Gilgamesh in Mesopotamia. We have inklings. Uh, the whole world of um, of Noah and um, our other ancient biblical brothers. Uh, we don't really know even all that much about Sumer, Sumeria, and um, that time frame. It's just 
we don't have all the data, that's for sure. Um, and the scholars, many scholars, have made some really interesting interpolations, made some very interesting um, inferences, uh, like Zachariah Sitchin, like my friend uh, and colleague uh, Michael Tellinger, who I've had on the show a couple of times, who I've been involved with uh, at uh, at Breakthrough Energy Movement conferences in uh, Holland and uh, Colorado, and who I sponsored a better world, sponsored him in New York uh, just last year uh, over the Labor Day period. So there's a lot of riches, uh, God knows, and yet a lot of art is also a commentary, a running commentary on other things that are going on in society. Uh, writing, obviously. Um, theater. And surely the use of satire is a powerful one. And the use of humor, oh, I, I laud it. And I'd probably be dead without it, um, as many of us would be. Because if we're not laughing, we're probably crying in this world. And uh, I think it's better to be laughing. But the true conditions that we have created through the, uh, I will say, the, should I say, functioning or malfunctioning of the uh, survival brain. But it's not just that. It's just not the reptilian brain that's at, at cause here. I personally think it has to do with uh, an upbringing even in utero, that is controversial, oftentimes traumatic, and it does set the tone. It fixes the tone for the rest of one's life. Is the glass half full? Is it half empty? Do I need revenge? Do I not? Do I love people? Do I distrust people? All of that is really formed in the earliest years, and we have you know, Dr. Sigmund Freud to thank for a lot of our understanding. We have a lot of the object relations um, Theorists to thank as well, uh, Margaret Mahler, oh, there are so many. Um, and we have Carl Jung to take a bit of a wider, a wider lens to the subject by opening up the notion of typology and archetypes. And when we look at us through these various lenses, we see that we all have fixations. We all have different levels of arrested development in our infantile, in utero and infantile years. And it's natural all the way up through teenagehood. But of course, most of the fixes in really by age four or five. There are permutations that occur after, that is true. Uh, but most of the fix is in. And can that be changed? That's of course the million dollar question. Can it be changed? Well, behind door one, folks, we have change. Door two, none. And three, maybe. Well, the answer really is, the envelope, please, potential is there to change. And if we want to, we can open up door one. Most people opt not to. They just stay in the rhythm and the pattern of the habituation. But if they dare open up door one, they see that they could be riding a wave of reality because, to remind you, the ancient Chinese adage, one of the truest principles borne out by physics, is the only constant in life is change itself. It's a hard one to swallow because we want things to stay put. We want things to remain the same and steady and stable and predictable and secure. Or as we say in Brooklyn, secure. You know what I mean? Secure. Well, it doesn't go that way. We can stabilize and secure certain aspects of our lives. But the truth is, everything is in change and everything is in flux. One of the anchors that we have in this life is each other. As we are changing, we see 
that our commitments to each other, a friendship, especially, underneath lovership or spousal relationship or a business relationship, friendship, man to man, man to woman, woman to woman, is what undergirds and holds together. It is the cohering force of a society. Because in that relationship is trust, is a sense of confidence, is a kind of footing that allows the world ever-changing to go on its path, but you know in your heart you have a sense of anchor and meaning and hope and friendship. And we are social animals. I say this on almost every show. We are social animals. So from that point of view, we were all entirely interdependent. That's how our species managed to survive until now. Now, we've become less bonded. We have less oxytocin. We have more Facebook and more Twitter. And uh, you cannot develop an oxytocin relationship with these kind of mechanical things. It ain't going to happen. You need mammals. It's a mammalian function. Sorry, folks. Uh, Not really. Not sorry at all. But you understand what I mean. So we are inhibiting our natural hormonal releases by dealing too much with technology. I never thought of it that way. I never quite put it that way. But it just occurs to me that we are keeping um, things from being in proper proportion. So, uh, in any event, um, I've chatted with you about a number of things here, and we're never going to have a healthy society until we really cognize this kind of thing, and we recognize that we're here to bond, we're here to love, we are here to bring about humor. It's a survival mechanism, folks. It's it's not just as a biological interface here. Funny to think about, isn't it? But it's true. It's also a tremendous stress reliever. So when you laugh, when you smile, you are relieving stress. And it allows uh, things to happen and go more your way. Your circulatory system can work better. Your cortisol levels will be diminished, and your all the hormonal secretions can work better. Endorphins get released. Then we have higher dopamine levels. Before you know it, we're feeling pretty good, and we are our own pharmaceutical agency. We don't really need the external ones. There are times and places for everything. Of course, I'm aware of course, but we have become conditioned to thinking that uh, we need these kinds of things in our body, and we have uh, a Congress that upholds this kind of non-scientific stuff, and we've just got to get a handle on our own psyches our own minds, our own hearts, our own emotional lives, if we expect that others are going to do the same. Which means we do have to become rational. And that doesn't mean not to have emotions, but not to be run by, governed by our emotions. Life would be very flat, quite vanilla, if we did not have emotions. That is the ocean. It is an ocean of emotion. We want them just don't want to be governed by them, especially the negative ones. But we don't want to really be governed by any of them. But to be governed by some sense of happiness, sense of joy, sense of well-being. We find that inside ourselves. We find that inside ourselves. Yeah, it's great to hook up with others, pair up, have friends of all sizes, shapes, demeanors, and styles. Um... 
at the end of the day, we have to have a relationship that's good and healthy with ourselves, and that then gets projected as a hologram into what we refer to as the external world. It's a relative statement at best. That's the way it goes. <laughs> if, if we can really get a hold of our emotional lives and tame them by our higher mind, then we can begin to inculcate our dendrites and our synapses and our neurons with the kind of life we really want to hold out for ourselves. And um, that's when things start to get really interesting. Uh, there's this idea of either the sixth extinction or, as uh, Dr. Michael Cotton refers to, the sixth epoch. And uh, there's a toss-up right now about which way we're going to actually be going uh, as a humanity. It is a toss-up because there's a huge amount of good taking place on this planet, people doing awesome things from the heart for each other, which expands their soul nature. And there are also a lot of people doing a lot of other things that are truly corrupted and corruptible and uh spreading a lot of harm. So I don't know what the outcome is going to be. My faith in my heart, of course, is in a positive outcome, and I truly believe that that is what is in place for us. But uh, I'm voting for us all getting smarter, more intelligent in the mind, in the brain, and the heart, and that confluence can really help to take us to the place we need to be. Anyway, uh, I see there is one caller, and I will actually open up the line there to our caller. Hello there. Well, hello there. How are you today, my brother? I'm fine. Who am I speaking with? You're speaking to the prophet of love, Joseph. To whom? The prophet of love. My name is Joseph. Oh, okay. Hi, Joe. Welcome to a better world. You're catching us in our closing minutes. Have you been oh, okay. tuned in for the show? Yeah, I have. I've listened to you, I've, uh, and uh, I enjoyed, you know, where you're coming from, you know, and yes, uh, and how you see and you. how you see the world. You know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I like what you asked. The question you asked is, is what are we doing? And what are each one of us doing to help bring about a better world? Exactly. Well, exactly. well what I'm doing. I'd love to hear your. I'd love to hear your answer, your response. Well, I'm going to tell you, what, my response, what I'm doing, my, my brother, is you notice I addressed you when I first, uh, uh, when I first heard you as my brother. Everywhere mm -hmm. I go, I say to everybody that I meet, hello or good afternoon or good morning, my sister or my brother. Beautiful. And it doesn't matter what their skin looks like, what color their skin is, or how tall they are or small they are. And I remind sure. them, when I, as I go, I remind people every day that every day you open your eyes, the universe and the cosmos says it needs your presence again on this planet. Mm, and it's for you, to do, for you to do what you came here to do, which is to That's expand right. and grow and to be more, not less. Yes. To vibrate yes. love and energy and, and joy and peace and beauty and creativity. See, to be a hallelujah, brother. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> right? Yes, indeed, my brother. I just left. I, just I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, my brother. I've been out of the country. I just got back in the country from South Africa, where I was living for the last almost four years. And I gotta oh, tell really? you, since I've been yeah. yes, and I gotta tell you, I, please do. Since I've come, since I've come back, I've, I've come back a new person with, 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 with seeing yes. this country from a new set of eyes. And tell I, me, and I, and tell I must us. tell you, I I see a lot of change that has taken place. I see the young people. I live in the city of Los Angeles, and yes. I've been going around, and I see young people uh, together in different colors. And different yes. hues, and and it, and they don't care about any of this this illusion called race. So yeah, are right. Just one species of people. See. Yeah. And the young people are seeing that, and I also see the young people rejecting 
the, the this 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 anger and judgment about uh, as yeah. it relates to the separation that that we are being indoctrinated to believe. Yeah. You know, in the yeah. United States of America, my, my brother, this is the only place in the country that plays the color game that separates yeah. our color. See, and we need. You to, know, and, I, and, and yes, go ahead. No, no, no! Please finish your thought. Yes, and so and so, what I do is I I, I shine that light wherever I go, whomever I'm yes. with, to remind them not to preach to them and not to tell them something that they don't know. But I tell them right. I'm here to just remind you, because this truth is already in you and already on your heart, that we are one, exactly. that there is no yeah. separation. That's just an illusion. You know, Joe, that that is just completely true brother um and yeah. uh just yeah. to say at the beginning of my talk tonight uh monologue which is now thanks to you become a dialogue um i was talking about biodiversity and i often mm. think about the colors of different flowers that's an mm. adaptation to the climate and to the environment and we all being different colors and shapes and sizes and genders and all that is also an adaptation it's a biological adaptation it's there for a reason it's a good that's thing right. you know that's right that's right it's right the reason it's there so, is for us to participate in the diversity and multiplicity of life Exactly. Exactly. See, and our, and, and our environment outside of us, it reflects that dirt diversity. It, it reflects that multipl- multiplicity. See, and we are to take our cues very true. from the flowers, and take our cues from the birds, and take our cues That's from the right. trees. You know. That's right. And and and, and I yes, see, my do. brother, we are getting there. We are moving. Yeah. But but what has to happen though is what is happening is that many of our brothers and sisters who have been resistant to this, resistant to this change, resistant to this call, they yeah. are leaving the planet. They are transitioning off this planet in record numbers. Yes. So, yes, yes. And the yes, young yes. people are rejecting it. They are saying no The young no people to are these, rejecting to, that. That's right. That's right. And I feel I, I, idea. I know what you're talking about. I live in New York City. I see the young people of every single type of color and and everything all over intermingling like it's nothing. And it is nothing. (laughs) It is nothing. That's right. And and I also see that it is an archaic economic basis to the role of racism. It's got economics Mm. behind it, as I know you know. That's right. And they they keep uh, um, institutionalizing racism just for money. And when you really bear down and look at uh, the so-called slave trade and look at the economics and who it is that benefited from it, dot, 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 you want to get sick in your stomach for all of it. And thank God there are people who have graduated from that bad game and there are now I say to people slavery actually didn't end it grew mm. now it's mm. not color sensitive now it's for everybody <laughs> mm. and you know everybody's included that's you know? right that's right it's one other thing that I'm doing too I want to share with you my brother yeah please I am an American of African descent look how I changed yes. And what I yes. am doing in that, as it relates to that is I am telling my other brothers and sisters who are a- Americans of African descent that I have been to the motherland. Uh, and yes. I'm going to tell you something, my brother, that, 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 that I want to share this with you. When I, I, yes. when I went over there three and a half years ago, I had 2000 American dollars in my pocket, and that's it. I had never mm. been. I didn't know where I was going. It was a wow. totally energetically based reason that I went to continue wow. to expand and to grow. I have many mm. I have a number of brothers and sisters who profess to be Christians and say they love God, but looked at what I was doing and couldn't believe and were shaking their heads saying, I think he's lost he's lost his mind. See? Wow. But what they didn't know is what I knew is that the yeah. Father, the Creator, 
set, 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 set to me vibrationally and through dreams and visions to go there so that you can be an example, not only to you, but you can shine that light to others. And so I've come back here and I've said to my brothers and sisters of American, Americans of African descent, you are not an African-American. That is a political term that Jesse Jackson came up with to divide and continue to divide. And that is a way to continue to keep white supremacy going in this nation. I said, and I say this to them. I say, imagine when Trayvon Martin was murdered. Imagine if the headline in the talk, the headlines in the news said, an American man shot an unarmed American teenager. How the, how the discourse would have been different. Yes. Imagine how different things would have been then. Yeah. See, because that's what happened. And I've said to them, I've said to many of my my brothers and sisters, uh, of uh, 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 many of them, our ancestors paid a price in their blood, in their tears, and their toil for us to be, at this point, to be full-fledged citizens of this country. And every time we call ourselves African Americans, we are asking what we are doing by doing that is participating in the white supremacy that existed on this nation, the separation that existed in this nation. We are participating to keep that thing going because we are Americans, full-born, bred Americans. And, if, and right. I've traveled extensively around the world, my brother, and no place in the, I've ever been in this country did anybody say to me, hey, you're an African-American. The minute right. I opened my mouth up, they all said, you're an American. So if I am right. an American in Africa, and I am an American in, in Europe, and I am an American in Asia, and I am an American in India, why am I Why aren't you an American in America? Right. That's right, my brother. Exactly. That's right, my brother. I get it. That's exactly right. So you ought, well the, you, ought to, you ought to see the eyes. Many of them, I've said this too, their eyes light up. And they go, yes. Yep. Many of them have said, I've said the same thing. Many of them said, I've never thought of it like that. That's right. I said, exactly. That's right. This is a, I said, this is a moment for you to ch- change and expand and grow. Exactly. Exactly. No, right. you, hit it, you, hit, you hit an interesting vein there. And I very much appreciate mm. your listening in and then calling in. That's what I like to hear, Joe. That's what I like to hear. I'm really, really grateful for your experiences well, great, in South Africa and bringing them, yes. to bring, bringing them to bear here. Well, I appreciate you, my brother. I thank you so much. And remember, I'm going to leave you with a, an African term called Ubuntu. You and I know Ubuntu. You know Ubuntu. That's right. I sure and do. The, and, and the spirit of Ubuntu, my brother, because of you, I am, and because of me, you are. Because of and we, and, and because of we, because of you us. are. Yes, Thank you. That's right. So much for your presence, because of us, brother. we are. Thank you. Oh yeah! That's in right. fact, earlier in the show, I mentioned my dear brother, uh, friend, and colleague Michael Tellinger, who lives in South Africa, who uh, has been my roommate at a couple of. Uh, these um, big global energy conferences, one in Holland, one in Boulder, Colorado, this last uh, October. And uh, he ha- is very involved in the development of the Ubuntu Party in South Africa. Look him mm. up. Google him. Michael mm. Tellinger. Or go to my website, put his name in the search engine, and you can hear my interviews with him on this very radio show. Actually, I'm familiar with Michael. Oh, you are? Yes, I Good. am familiar with Michael. Yes. Excellent. I was a part He's of the community in South Africa. I was a part okay. of a group of people in South Africa of higher consciousness that believe in okay. Ubuntu, believe in living That in makes sense that you would have crossed paths then. That's great. That's yes. great. Yes. Well, listen, yes. my friend, tell your friends about A Better World and what we're doing here at BetterWorld.tv. And uh, if you don't get the newsletter, you should definitely get it because we're having a lot okay. of fun three nights a week. Monday nights we have the TV show. Monday nights I have uh, Progressive Film Hour uh, with uh, mm. Gary Knowles' Progressive Radio Network, and I'm talking about a different mm. film every week. And I again I invite people to call in and uh, share with us on the themes of the subject. And then we've got, of course, a better world every every Wednesday night here at six o'clock on Blog Talk Radio. So thanks well. so much for weighing in tonight. Well, thank you so much for providing the platform for saying yes to your higher self. 
and for making a movement on that. Yes. Thank you, my brother, exactly. so much, and you go well. God bless. Light, light and you. love to you. Thanks Bye-bye. so much. Bye-bye now. You're so welcome. Well, that was just a delight to have uh, Brother Joe join us in the last minutes of today's show. Thank you all so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. All for you. You know that. A better world. That's all of us. All of us. So uh, I want to just remind you that uh, we do accept donations. It helps to keep us on the air at our website at betterworld.tv. We have all sorts of energy balancing, balancing programs. I, as a therapist and counselor and coach, help people in business. I help them in their relationships and their families, uh, on the job. Good stuff, my friends, good stuff. We're all contributing our own gifts and talents to the larger good. So on that note, I want to bring in Mozart to close this out, encourage you to go to the newsletter, to the website, and get on our free newsletter. It only goes out once a week. And uh, for those of you in the New York area, uh, we're having a sustainability conference focusing on solarizing towns and bringing in permaculture. And that's happening July 3rd through 6th. What a beautiful way to celebrate the... uh, beginning and the birthday of our country by going renewable. Got it? Okay. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.